and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we'll be covering all of the big geopolitical stories of the week. But first, we need to talk about Insightful Inquiries because it will have its very first episode of 2023. You spoke to, at Mandatory Fun Day, military social media influencer. Would you like to play a clip from that episode? Sure. I got a clip ready. Just a lot of fun talking about like our mil- shared military experiences. Yeah. I'm sure uh, a lot of that resonated with you. Yeah. It'll resonate with a lot of you, you know. Yeah. And, and especially like parents that have kids that are coming up who are maybe scared of having their son or daughter go into the military. We kind of talk about that process and, and try to, you know, go through make and, and make, make it, it less more... scary. Yeah. I don't I I don't think there's anything anyone could say to me to make it less scary if any of yeah. my children tried to join the military. But all right, that's just me. <laughs> but we also talked about like the behind the scenes of content creation because he's on TikTok and he's on. Yeah. So let me play a little bit from that. Awesome. Has there been a change in leadership in the military? Yeah, I mean, definitely for a long time. And there are still people that inherently think social media is bad. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a current leader in the military and you are just adamantly anti-social media, that's where your troops are. They're on social media. Like, that's where they are. And so just looking at it as if it's just an inherently evil thing is just asinine in my opinion. Can it be bad? <laughs> yeah. And quite frankly, I've seen things on TikTok that I have reached out to change the commando, you know, because there are things that we don't want out there. Nothing like classified or anything like that, but just behavior that's not not becoming of a United States service member. My leadership use it as a positive thing, you know, and our reason it's why leadership's not toxic. Well, I, for one, know that we have a lot of listeners that are super pumped for this episode. Yeah. So can't wait to hear that. And it's going to come out on February 5th, right? Yes. So that's this Sunday. Well, we will definitely, when I say we, but I will definitely <laughs> listen to it. You've heard it already. Like 30 times already, yes. Like 30 times. Well, I, I will listen to it because I only like listening to the edited versions because I'm yeah. whiny. <laughs> I don't have the patience. So it comes out February 5th, first episode of Insightful Inquiries for the year. So check it out if you guys have a chance. So we need to get into it. Lot of lots to get into. So what is on your radar this week? All right. So obviously we're going to do Russia, Ukraine, but also a big thing this week, Russian hackers hit a bunch of U.S. medical sites. The U.S. and Russia are talking about an end to the START nuclear treaty. We'll get into what tr- what that treaty is, why it's important. But the big news of the week was an attack within Iran from a, a quadcopter drone. And okay. So all reporting says it was Israel. We'll get into was it Israel and and what's next in that. But also Iran is talking about joining the SCO. Discuss what the SCO is. After that, get right into something good news for us. United States and India are starting to build rebuild their relationship. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Of this week, for sure. Not good news. China continues to put pressure on Taiwan. And then Saudi Arabia, who is supposed to be an ally for the United States, is starting to talk about, let's work with China. Maybe they're a better ally for Saudi Arabia. And finally, you know, my favorite continent to talk about this year is South America and the geopolitical mm-hmm. repercussions of where Latin America is going. Well, guess what? Iran wants to establish military bases within South America. Of course. 
bummers. I, I like how you put like the good news in the middle yeah. of all the bummer stories. I have one story that I need to add to the bottom, and that is, guess what, guys? I let Kervin out of the hotel bathroom, so now our yeah. audio's better. You're welcome, <laughs> yeah, if, everyone. <laughs> if you hear this, if you hear the audio and you're you're like, yeah. man, they're way more interactive. They're way more energetic. <laughs> That's that's why. Also, we're going to end this podcast with a bit of a of a bone to pick yes. with another podcast that has called oh, us out. But we will also let you guys know when that is. So but if it's you're, in you're, good fun. But it's it all in good fun, guys. Nothing actually negative. They're our friends. And and if you're just here for the geopolitical news, we do understand that. We will Which let you know for the end. Yeah, you can you can hit stop if you don't want to hear it. But we're going to have a little bit of fun at the end. Can I be honest for a second? Shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out clumpy, and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15-plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. These portable blenders come in a ton of different colors. I happen to love the nostalgia of the Lisa Frank design, but there are designs for everyone from camo to Disney characters. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code thisweek12, that's this week one word and the number 12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it, or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code ThisWeek12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. All right, so let's get to it. What is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of intelligence, Western intelligence, Russian intelligence, that's hinting at Russia making one final push to take Kiev, and that would mean they take over Ukraine as a whole. And what is the timeline for that? So I've seen reports of two or three weeks. Just today, Poland was putting out reports that it was going to happen on the 24th of February. If everybody remembers what happened the 24th of February in 2022, yes. the trend there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's going to sort of coincide with that one year anniversary of the invasion. Now, I really think a full Russian offensive to take over Ukraine could begin actually a week before that one year anniversary, because yeah. that's going to give Russian forces time to get some key victories in, in different areas. It's also going to give Putin the chance to promote a victory on that one year anniversary for his special military operation. Do you believe Russia will succeed in this new offensive? So that's going to depend on leadership of the Russian military and also the will of the Ukrainian forces. So after months of repelling Russian attacks and the, the fall of Solidar, that was a huge blow to Ukraine. And now Russia is advancing towards the Dnipro River 
If you listened to us before, we've talked about how that's a strategic river up to Kiev. So it's February, and it's going to be a key month for both of those countries. What about the tanks that are going to Ukraine? Are those going to get there? In- Some of the tanks are going to get there. The U.S. M1 Abrams, the M1A2 Abrams is not. They are not going to ship that until the end of this year. But That's even the- like less than helpful. <laughs> it's yeah, it really it really is not. And, and that's just how trained yet. They haven't even trained to use them yet. Exactly. That's... To... But that ought to tell you something. The fact that they think that this conflict is still going to be going on by the end of this year. Like they don't think there's going to be a resolution. They're like, yeah, we're going to wait until the end before we send them to you. That's I don't know. That bothers and, me. And real quick, mm-hmm. that is what's going to happen. It, it's it's going to keep going on, even if Russia takes over Ukraine as a whole. Yeah. There will still be pockets of Ukrainian military fighting back to try to regain fighters. Yes. Um, So that's still going to be important. And yeah, it's going to it's going to keep going on. But just like you said, Mm -hmm. some of the tanks are going to get there real soon. You know, Poland has said they were going to send Leopard, the Leopard 2 tanks. Um, But the Ukrainian military is just not going to be trained in time. It's not going to make a difference. It and that's. It's why Russia is doing that, you know, wants to do this offensive now as opposed to kind of methodically move across Ukraine. At the end of the year? (laughs) Yeah, at the the end of the year. We're going to wait for all your tanks and (laughs) then we'll make it a fair fight. No, that's not going to happen. If they can get to Kiev before the tanks make it there, you know, they believe they have a much better chance at victory. I believe that too. Any idiot would look at that and say, okay, anyways. This is obviously going to be the main topic of the month, so let's move to the hacking of several medical websites in the United States. Do we know who was involved and what type of damage was done? Yeah, so it's the uh, pro-Russian KillNet hacking group, and they performed what's called a distributed denial-of-service attack on hospital websites in all 50 states of the United States. Too bad they didn't decide to wipe out everybody's medical debt. That would benefit the U.S. They're not going to do that. But it might. Oh, never mind. I, I don't. Never mind. I was about to. Never, okay. Forget. I'll tell you what I was going to say later. Can you explain a DDoS attack like I'm a five-year-old because I am a five-year-old and I, I don't, don't know what that is? I think most people who just aren't in the cyber realm would probably appreciate that. So, right. A DDoS attack is when a bunch of computers are made to flood a website with too much traffic. So it's like a lot of people trying to get into a store, a grocery store all at once. Like people uh, trying to buy Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah. That caught <laughs> it, it. It a wasn't a DDoS attack. It but wasn't it, an it, attack, but it was a bunch of people flooding the. Yeah. I know. A T-Swift okay. attack. A T-Swift um, attack. That's what we should call it from now. Or Ticketmaster takedown. The Ticketmaster takedown. But you, you bring up, I mean, that's exactly what it was. It's basically just like Taylor Swift fans going on Ticketmaster. Yeah. But it makes the website very slow, or in this case, completely stop working okay. so that people can't get And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that makes sense to you. It, yeah, it, it definitely does now that we've put it in terms that I can follow. T-Swift terms. <laughs> T-Swift terms. So, I mean, that's a it's a good description of that kind of attack. Was any information taken or hospital communications affected? So, no. With the DDoS attack, it's not about gaining information from the site. It's just about mm. making the site stop working so that hindering, no one can access yeah, it. Hin- 
Yeah, hindering everybody who needs to access it. Okay. Right. So as far as the communications portion, uh, they didn't touch the actual hospital internal servers, so there was nothing to worry about there. No, nobody was nobody's information was taken yet. But yeah. the, the big takeaway from this attack is that they were able to do it on a massive scale, first of all. We're talking about all 50 states. But it also could be a precursor to a much more dangerous attack on the infrastructure of the United States. Are you seeing any chatter about hitting infrastructure? There's not any more chatter than normal. They're always talking about hitting infrastructure. That's their that's their dream. That's what they would yep. love. Every country who doesn't like us, which is quite a few, would yep. love to take out our infrastructure. Well, let's discuss nuclear treaty now. Yep. Are we going to see an end to the U.S.-Russia treaty on the amount of nuclear weapons both countries have? Yes, yeah, so there's back and forth discussions right now. So that treaty you're talking about is the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, START is what it's called. And it's an agreement between the United States and Russia to reduce the number of nuclear weapons that both countries have. Now, the, the U.S. claims Russia is trying to distance themselves from the treaty, and that treaty is set to expire February 4th of 2026. Now, publicly, Russia is saying the conversation should stay open and that an extension of the treaty is in both countries' best interest. But the United States claims Russia doesn't plan to abide by the treaty anymore, and that's leaving only the U.S. with the lesser nuclear arsenal. Okay, this isn't, I mean, this is kind of going in the same direction, but... Hit me. Are, who's to say that we're actually following the treaty? <laughs> like, we're so arrogant, we enter in these sort of agreements with countries all the time and don't keep up our, our end of the deal. Like most countries don't actually, yeah. they're not as transparent as they imply they are. But but there is a council to track that and okay. to hold both countries accountable. Uh, now, okay, okay, cool. As most things happen, when you hold the United States accountable and, and anybody can email and say, you're wrong, Kervin, don't say yeah, that. Yeah, please. But anytime... A foreign entity holds the United States accountable. They usually, if it's publicly happening, they usually go with the pu public sentiment. Okay. Uh, Russia, not so much. Well, obviously. When Russia's publicly outed for not continuing this agreement. They're mm -hmm. just going to say that's false and continue to upgrade their weapons and increase their arsenal. Okay, I get it now. So this is a huge geopolitical game changer, isn't it? So that you are absolutely correct. The expiration of the START Treaty would have far-reaching consequences for internal security and stability. Without the limits and transparency measures provided by that treaty, that, you know, that foreign influence from other countries pointing the finger at the United mm -hmm. States or Russia for not doing it. Yeah. If they don't have that, both countries would be free to increase their stockpiles of nuclear weapons. And that's going to lead to an increase in global tensions and a decreased sense of predictability in the relationship between the new two nations. Yeah. Now, this in turn would honestly lead to increased risk of miscalculation and then that accidental nuclear use, accidental or on purpose. Accidental? I don't know how you accidentally use a nuclear weapon, but... Well, so I will say, think of it like the movie, we talked about the movie War Games... Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Um, but an accidental nuclear use would be something like that if a, if a computer... It would have to be 
multiple people yeah. still executing the protocol. So yeah. I just don't, I don't see how it can be an accident when there are so many moving parts. It's not one person who just hits a button. There are multiple things that have to be at play. Well, not every country has Matthew Broderick. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. Silly us. Well, I think we all hope that the treaty remains active and that yes. there isn't any more nuclear weapons talk. But yep. obviously, it's 2023 and that's at the forefront right now. So let's get to the major story from the week. Earlier this week, multiple drones attacked various sites in Iran. Do you have updates on who participated in that attack and what what was the intended target and what will be the retaliation from Iran? So it's... It's been a few days, and it's still tough to gauge exactly who participated. So, okay. In the, in the early stages of the news, fingers were pointed directly at the United States, of along course. with yeah, along with an unknown country. Unknown so country. So a little they, bit of. We're implying that we were working together with this unknown country. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Now the reports came out and said it was a quadcopter drone. A quadcopter drone is. The four, it's got four propellers. Uh, I can explain it to you. It's like the drone Madeline got me. Now, other people, you can look up quadcopter. It, it has I just four worried. propellers. Why did you um, have to bring that stupid drone up? Because <laughs> I love it so much. I know. I'm just kidding. It's wonderful. And it uh, ticks our dog off. Well, yeah. So the quadcopter drone, that's definitely not a U.S.-based military drone. Okay. So if the United States had any participation in that, it would be part of an intelligence sharing capacity, uh, being an intelligence sharing capacity. Okay. Now, as the dust kind of settled on those stories, it looked more and more like Israel was involved. Okay. As that started to come out, the United States began to distance themselves from being a participant in it. Why would they wait until it was implied that Israel was involved to distance themselves from it if they didn't have anything to do with it? Like Right. But okay. the Sorry. Biden administration is still negotiating a return to the Iran nuclear deal. Okay. So if it so... were to be made public that US intelligence helped in this attack, you know, those those negotiations are over. It's yeah, a, a non starter for Iran. Well, understandable. Yeah. Well, okay. You said publicly, but wouldn't Iran be able to find out through private channels? I mean, definitely. And they already know through their intelligence agencies. And they're they not know. telling us. They don't care to tell us. Well, you might know, but I don't know. So Right. So that's why they've been calling Israel out, even though in report headlines all over the place are saying Israel's drone strike on Iran. But honestly, Israel hasn't officially taken credit for the attack. Okay. So what was the target? Okay, so I want to make clear that we were talking about the drone strikes in Isfahan. There were strikes elsewhere? Yeah, so after that attack, there were multiple strikes along the Syrian border that targeted Islamic Republican guard sites. Now, okay. the attack in Isfahan was targeting Iran's ballistic missile facilities. It was intended to diminish the weapons Iran has at its disposal that would then attack Israel. So do you think, like, once the initial uh, strike in Isfahan happened, other people felt emboldened to start attacking areas? Or was this, like, a collaboration, or...? It was def. I mean, it was definitely a collaboration. I'm going to say... Okay. Now, listen, 
I don't. Okay. This, I'm not going to give any classified information, and I'm not going to do any of that. But yeah, you better not, dude. This is all based off of my analysis of the open source reporting of it. Okay. United States intelligence had a hand in guiding where Israel would strike. Okay. That's just what happens every single time. Okay. So don't. No. Only if you take my word as truth, that's don't what happens. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, so is Iran going to attack Israel within the Israeli borders? So not not just yet. That would okay. be that would be a disaster for Iran. Okay. And that's because the Israeli P- Patriot missile defense system. Yeah. So, let me start here. Israel has the Iron Dome that is for close range low level rockets coming out of Palestine into Israel. The okay. Patriot missile defense system is for ballistic missiles. And that would take care of any munitions coming from Iran until they successfully launch a hypersonic missile. And does Iran have a hypersonic weapon? Well, in November of this past year, their state news agency said that the military had developed a hypersonic weapon, but honestly there has been zero publicly verified reports of a successful test of that missile. Well, how does Iran joining the SCO change the situation in the Middle East? So it mainly it just brings Iran benefits in the economic, commercial, and strategic sectors. More okay. importantly, it's going to enhance Iran's security so that they, they feel more secure, their people feel secure. Yeah. And then it also sends a message of unity between China and Iran. And what does SCO stand for and which countries are involved? All right, so SCO is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, and that oh. should tell you the most important country so in the organization. Can you guess? Uh, China. Yeah. So, oh, my God, I'm so smart. <laughs> it, is, it is China. They're the most important member of that organization. But of some of the other major economies are India. Mm-hmm. They also have Kazakhstan, Russia, and Pakistan. So it's actually a quite large economic organization. But... India, didn't they just agree to work with the United States? Would they leave that organization if there is a world war? That's honestly a great question. So India, I I love it. It's a, such an interesting geopolitical country. Yeah. The U.S. and India recently described a plan to share advanced defense and computing technology. That's a slap in the face to China. Yeah. You know, th- th- what they're talking about is... The potential of production of these General Electric Company jet engines. Is this an attempt to isolate China and Russia? You know, two countries that have had fluid relations with India? Yeah, so I will say yes, but I'll also let the National Security Advisor of the United States, Jake Sullivan, speak. And he said the China-Russia factors are very real in this, uh, but so is the building of a deep democratic ecosystem, or ecosystem, sorry, of high technology. <laughs> he also said geopolitics doesn't sit off to the side, but it's not a comprehensive explanation for what's at work here. So it's not entirely about countering Chinese and Russian aggression, but it mostly is. Yeah, it's definitely more than 50 percent of that. I actually think it's smart for both the U.S. and India to build a mutually beneficial relationship. Since we are talking about counter or isolating China, Let's get into China's increasingly aggressive actions towards Taiwan. I just sound exhausted talking well, about this. It's been 
so many well, I'm, I'm not even like talking about since we've started this podcast this has been a thing for as long as i can remember <laughs> yeah it, it definitely has and i will before i get into this i will agree with okay. you i'm i think it is a great idea for the u.s and in for for the u.s specifically yeah. to reach out to india and build a mutually beneficial relationship but yeah just like you said i also feel i woke up every morning this week to a new report of Chinese military vessels and aircraft encroaching on Taiwanese waters and airspace. And that's because, guess what? They did. And it is the fourth consecutive week that Chinese military planes and naval vessels have been sent towards Taiwan. Is China getting closer to an invasion? I mean, these events are still... I'm doing air quotes. No one can see. But it's (laughs) an... Intelligence. Yeah, intelligence gathering missions of sort. So Okay. Okay. It appears China is trying to see the different ways Taiwan will protect itself from both air and sea attacks. Now, I'm going to say we're still looking at a 2025 attempted takeover. If you listen to the insightful inquiries from Andrew Bustamante, he you know, he explained how 2024 is going to be a key because to get to 2025 takeover of Taiwan, it has to start in 2024. I do have a question why would uh, Taiwan you know, have military exercises or rea- not have military exercises, but why would they react to China kind of antagonizing them? Because if they know that this is just it's going to happen. So why would they give any intel away and, you know, do perform exercises react to China being in their waters and in their airspace. I feel like it's going to happen. It's been happening. They probably shouldn't give away any of their information since they know it's going to happen. It's a great question. And I'm glad you detailed that as much as you did. That was way too much detail, but... No, I don't don't think so. It's, it's, It's a great question. It's great details. And it's because... They, you know, we talk about, oh, it's 2025, 2025, but humans are yeah. just, you, you don't know what it, what humans are going to do. Impulsive. And very impulsive. And that is another, it's another thing that China could, could attempt to do is a surprise attack. Okay. And so anytime, so anytime Chinese naval vessels or, or air vessel or, you know, aircraft come into Taiwanese airspace, Taiwan mm. has to react oh, to get them right. out of there, because wow. if they do they'd not, stay? they'd stay. The they way? would stay. Okay. They would gather intel through means of communications, you know, intercepting communications, intercepting radar. Okay, okay, those kind of things. But you are right. A Taiwan should not be reacting in the way that they are going to react from a actual invasion. Okay. They will. Yeah. They will need save to react. that. Save that. Yeah. yeah. Keep your cards close to the to your vest, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for answering that. With all of that, all of that, countries oh. supposedly allied with the United States still want to work with China despite possible sanctions? I mean, Saudi Arabia sure does. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've said this before on the podcast. They aren't the most reliable ally for anyone, not just the United States. Yeah. They're only looking out for their best interest. Which, you know, most countries are. Yeah. (laughs) So Prince Faisal said that Saudi Arabia regards relations with China as an important cornerstone of foreign relations and that 
Saudi Arabia full, actually fully adheres to the one China principle. And what does China gain from this? So China wants approval of the China Gulf free trade zone as soon as possible. And what does that entail? It would give China access to the Gulf Corporation Council. That's a six-member council of Arab Gulf states. Corporation? Yeah, I know. I know I'm not saying. Corporation? (laughs) I'm not saying anything correctly today. I know what I can blame that on, though. Yeah. So, yeah, the Gulf Cooperation Council. (laughs) That's a little Easter egg for people who actually listen. Yeah, it's vodka. But that's a council of these six Arab Gulf states. Arab Gulf states are like Kuwait. You know, anything around the Arabian Gulf. Um, yeah. Now, China claims that if successful, this would be the second largest free trade agreement in the world. Also, the total trade volume between the two sides would actually start to increase at higher levels and economic and trade relations would then give a major boost to the progress of their political ties. Well, alliances are certainly all over the place. Speaking of making new alliances... Did you say that Iran is building military bases within South America? They're trying. Now, the U.S. State Department came out this week and said that they are monitoring Iranian naval vessels as they move towards South America. And where are they trying to build a base exactly? So we can go straight from the commander of Iran's navy, who said that warships could establish a presence in the Panama Canal. Go look at a map, see where the Panama Canal and where North America is. And that should happen as soon as the end of this month. Now, well, as you know, Tiana, yeah, we have focused a lot of our discussions about South America, also Latin America, which brings in the Central America area. Yeah. And this is all through the lens of a changing in leadership, most notably Venezuela, Brazil, and Colombia. Iran in recent years has placed a greater focus on moving its military into Latin America territories strengthening relations with these anti-American leaders in the region. Hmm. And this all comes at a time when Russia and China have been inching their way forward on that continent. Last summer, Russia, China, and Iran held exercises on the continent as sort of a show of force towards the United States. It really bothers me that all these countries that have more established governments and economies are trying to take advantage of these countries that are trying to find their way. They want to be on the world stage. And they just like the fact that Iran is already sending their naval vessels to South America as if they will be able to immediately place, you know, a a military station there. Like it just that I just. okay. Anyway, sorry. Can you explain the why of this and is it just to get weapons closer to the united states like everybody else wants to do or is there more to it so it definitely has to do with getting their militaries within striking distance of the united states everybody wants that wait mine may as well like yeah i feel like (laughs) i feel like central america would be like one of the richest economies in the world if they just let all these other countries who hate us military installations i'm laughing but it's actually terrifying yeah i mean but sanctions actually help that okay okay if if especially like iran and russia i'm not even Mm -hmm. talking about china right now but if iran and russia were to continue to encroach 
on those Central American countries, I'm not talking about the, the South America, but the Central American countries, there would be tons of sanctions placed, which would negate okay. the economic benefits of working with well, that. Well, thank you for explaining that, because I honestly didn't know that part. So thank you. But yeah, that, Anyways, you know, that's just one yeah. of the, the ways that economics plays into this. And I'm not an economic ale, so I'll, I'll leave that for okay. someone else. But... I will say by gaining access to Latin America and Africa, yeah, I'm bringing up Africa as well because yeah. Russia, China, and Iran want to get into there. Yeah, of course. So these then these three countries can begin to surround the United States and Western Europe, as well as the East Asian countries of Japan, South, South Korea. And that's going to give them a strategic advantage when when World Ugh. War II World War Three kicks off. Yeah. So does the World War Three timeline coincide with the 2025 plan from China? So, yeah, the two are connected, although in my analysis of the situation, it's that a global conflict does not immediately start just because China invades Taiwan. I believe one of the countries involved, whether it's China or one of the East Asian countries trying to protect Taiwan or the United States trying to protect Taiwan, will make a misstep in that. And then it forces the other countries to get involved in the conflict. I feel like that's how every world war has started. There's a misstep and then it forces your allies to get involved. But anyway, so how? How so? How do I see that happening? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whether it's, so like I said, whether it's China or the United States or one of the East Asian countries, one country's military is going to perform an act that is deemed an act of war by the other country. Right, and right. so... That's how a geopolit- That's how that global conflict is going to get started. This isn't going to be something that's instantaneous either. You know, it's not going to be one day you're having a good time. The next day you're hearing about World War Three. So not like a Pearl Harbor situation. Yeah, it's not going to be. I mean, in my analysis of it, it's not going to be that. And I hope it's not something uh, that dramatic. Devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't um, sound that nervous about this. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, there's no doubt that this is going to change the globe, much yeah. like World War II did. But as of right now, I don't see anybody needing to be nervous okay. about it. I can only speak to what the U.S. and some of the East Asian countries like Japan and South Korea are doing. Can't okay. tell you what, what China's doing. Just because you I can't they're not talking to you? I, I mean, I just can't do it here. Oh, that, I, I. Yeah, China's definitely not talking to us. <laughs> Absolutely not. They may be trying to call, but I'm not answering. But as far as that is concerned, there are multiple exercises every year that's focused only on China's possible aggressive acts and what a war with the People's Liberation Army of China would look like. Well, how do those exercises play out? Okay, those exercises play out in a not good way for the U.S. and its allies. Okay. But that's just how these exercises are scripted. It's always a worst case scenario. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Right. I, I am assured that there is not going to be a quick, decisive victory for either side. It's not going to happen. It's going to yeah. be a long haul. And as I said before, humans are unpredictable. So pre-planned exercises don't actually give you the most likely outcome. So I guess we should all stay calm for now. For now. Is there anything else for this week? All right. 
I okay. have one thing. Okay. We still have some time. And I have a bone. I have a bone to pick with another podcast. A, po- a, pone, a pone. pone to pick. I have a pone to pick. Not speaking. Yeah. So we were called out by the McManus brothers who run Screen Echo podcast. Before I say anything else, if you like movies, if you like TV shows, they're really good analysis of of those at Screen Echo podcast. And they're Listen, fun. They are very funny. Yeah. But I have a bone to pick with both oh, of them. Yes. 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 All right. So well. Wendy, darling, you may want to leave the room, but I, I don't plan on saying any curse words. I don't know about Kerbin, though. Yeah, but I'm going to talk about your dick. He's he's going to, yeah, oh yeah, he's going to so, talk about Josh. And your uncle. Don't forget yeah. uncle. And, and Jacob. You might want to get Wendy out so she doesn't And know. also, if you are here for the geopolitical portion, thank you for joining us. You don't have to listen to the rest of it, obviously, but we'd like you to stay here because these two dudes are pretty great. So, so. yeah. What do I start with? I don't know. We have we also have clips. Yeah, we have sound effects now. Let's listen no. to what Jacob said about us. I... Or about me, specifically. No, he talks, he says stuff about me, too. Oh, and we're going to get into that in the next clip. Let me play this clip. Okay play this one but he has sound bites now did you hear all this not the yeah. this past podcast last he he played the mlb yeah no, <laughs> like no, no. the worst of them. no way was it that one he was like yeah ukraine got bombed stop so <laughs> jacob yes you you do not have a copyright on sound bites i i get them free and i can tell you how if you would just talk to us jacob why do you not like to talk to us anymore? Oh my gosh! Yeah, he <laughs> but, literally talks. To, you're so, you're goofy. Yeah, you don't have you you don't have a copyright on sound bites. We're gonna keep using sound bites. Oh, anyway. don't don't say we. I'm not using <laughs> anything. Oh, there I go. This this is a nice segue into the yeah. second clip. So let me play the second clip. Because Tiana's oh, okay. got a response. Because I always... Okay, never mind. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think I love... I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, but I think... It's all right. I, 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 I love how much Tiana is so fed up with everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anytime anybody ever brings up anything, she's like, oh my God. Again? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah. 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 TK feeding her all this information. Everything else. And she's like, God dang. Dang. So there was my portion of being called out. And yes, Jacob, being married to the same person for almost 17 years, I hear the same stories day in and day out in regards to the people he knows, the people he talks to, his interactions. And it annoys me. I'm not going to apologize for that. I mean, I love him. I want to hear his stories once or twice, maybe. We're going to save the repetition for when one of us gets Alzheimer's or something. Then we'll need it. Then we might Also, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders because I just, yeah, I come home. Weight of anything. And I said, did you see what China is doing now? And (laughs) so I will be on this podcast and say, I'm sorry, Tia. No. I don't mean to. I fully support, I support anything that you want to talk about. It's mainly like the name dropping, Stantley. What are you talking about? You I know, have, you know what you want. Anybody? To... Oh, but oh, did I tell you, Mike Baker sent a message. Shut up! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Jacob, we're gonna get divorced, and it's gonna be all your fault because you're bringing 
all of these things to the surface. Just kidding. I don't care. I, well, I, I don't. Sorry. Sorry. I will snap. I will say, please, if you're still listening to this and you find this entertaining, Screen Echo is a great podcast. They do talking with TK and Tiana, which TK is my nickname from when I was a kid and we were we were friends. I was friends with them at that time. So that's what they knew me as. And they do a segment every time they release a podcast, which, guys, it's not a lot. So try to be consistent, please, so that I can. Yeah, we want to hear your movie, your hot yeah. takes on movies and stuff. I, so. I do. Jacob was actually a he went to UNO, the University of New Orleans for film. Yeah. So he does know a lot about the movie industry. And so you guys should definitely go listen to it. I will link their show in the podcast. If you want to listen, you can just go click and hear it on Spotify. Yeah. So do we have any more trash talking or actually we didn't even talk any trash. This has been very tame, actually. Right. And I made Wendy leave the room. I'm sorry, Wendy. We didn't say anything bad about your daddy or your uncle. I didn't want her to hear the good things I say about her dad and uncle. <laughs> she already knows. She already knows. Thank you very that's much. True. No, I've, that's all I've got. Okay. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oquin Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.